Good morning, church. Had a wonderful week in VBS. Wonderful morning singing the praises of our God together. Hearing how the Lord is still in the business of saving sinners and rescuing us. I love Sundays. <laughs> if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. We'll be in chapter 20, focusing in on the third commandment, which is verse 7. I'm going to read the text, pray, and then we're going to get after it. <clears throat> this is God's holy and authoritative word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Heavenly Father, we want to glorify and exalt your name today. We pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you would move our hearts and raise our affections for the glory of your name. Lord, would you help me to preach in a way that is helpful? that is true, that is passionate, that is clear. That we would leave this church more aware of your goodness, more happy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there are those who are here who do not know you and have not called upon your name to be saved, Lord, would you use all that's happened in the service to do that? Would you continue to call people to yourself? Because your name is glorious and worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's in a name? Right? We all know it. A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. Good old William Shakespeare, or Billy Shakespeare as I call him personally. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, right? Romeo is lamenting the fact that Juliet's name is preventing them from pursuing true love. Their families didn't get along, and he's saying, no, 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 names shouldn't matter. We ought to pursue our true love. And they both end up dead. Didn't work out for them, right? <laughs> we all know that names are important. And although the culture in the ancient Near East had a deeper significance for the meaning of names than we do now, we know that names still mean something to us. This was made very clear to me when me and my wife began attempting to name our children. It was difficult. <laughs> Why? Because it was hard not to associate names we were trying to choose for our kids with names of friends, acquaintances, and enemies <laughs> from high school and college. Or, I think we all know this, when your parents know that you are in for real, for real trouble, or when my kids are in for real, for real trouble, what do I do? We use their full name. And one of my kids has the middle name Stone, which is my mother's maiden name. But <laughs> she has associated the title Stone with anything that she does not approve of. So if I am doing something in a way that she does not approve of, she furrows her brow and looks at me and says, Daddy Stone. <laughs> or Isaiah has been often called, if he's teasing her, Isaiah Stone. She has associated the name Stone with things that she does not approve of. She's given the name a meaning behind it. That's what names do. But there is one was never given a name by anyone. He is the only one who named himself, and that is the Lord. 
And he's revealed his name to us in Exodus 34. It says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And Moses' response to hearing the name of the Lord was to fall down and worship. Because his name is not to be taken lightly. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. The Lord's name is so holy and pure that it must never be used lightly. It must never be used flippantly. And all who do so will be held guilty. I think oftentimes when we come to the third commandment, we think, I'm doing all right with this one. We think we're doing okay. Kevin DeYoung says it like this. He says, if we're honest, though, when we come to the third commandment, we feel like we can let our guard down just a little. Watch what you say. Don't swear. Be careful with your OMGs. Got it. The third commandment feels less like a bedrock principle and more like a good reminder. But to obey the third commandment is much more than avoiding a three-word phrase, though I do believe that is included, But it also means appropriately exalting his name, living lives that honor his name, and to fill his name with the glory and worship that it demands. But the problem is that we often take his name lightly. We've become so buddy-buddy with God that we forget his otherness. We forget his holiness, the unapproachability of God, his transcendence. And society as a whole is set up in such a way that not only makes many gods of anything and everything it can, but it presses us to exalt the names of these gods to be the ultimate object of our worship. And once we do that, we are in violation of the third commandment. When we worship or celebrate or exalt anything else past common grace above the name of the Lord, we are being flippant and frivolous with the name of the Lord. Why? Because once we do that, we have displaced the only name that is worthy to be praised. So when we are counting meticulously our followers, our likes, and our retweets, whatever it is, we're ensuring that our name is exalted. When self-care, though important, raises itself to become self-worship, we're ensuring that our name is exalted. When we fight to exalt any other name than the Lord's, we are taking the Lord's name in vain. And my hope is that we would be a church that does not take his name lightly. That we would exalt his name above all things. That in all things we would worship the great name of the Lord. That our lives would be lived in such a way that it screams out the glories of his name. The glories of the Lord, of his name as helper and provider and sustainer and creator and protector and peacemaker. The one who is the justice bringer, the encourager, the lover, the name above all names that is to be hallowed. Because he and he alone is worthy. The command here is to not take the Lord's name in vain. And this means we must exalt his name with wonder, reverence, and joyful admiration. We're going to examine the third commandment through three questions. 
I had to. What's in a name is question number one. Shout out to Billy Shakes. Two, how do we take his name in vain? And three, how do we exalt his great name? Question number one, what's in a name? We've already mentioned that names had significance. It was less of a label and more of a desire of who that person would be. The names meant something about the person when they were given. There was careful thought given to names. Philip Ryken helps us and he says this. He says, for us today, a name is a label. For the Hebrews, the name was inseparable from the person. It expressed a person's inward identity. When we use the name of God, therefore, we're referring to the essence of his divine being. The Lord's name has great significance. Jenny Ortland, uh, she wrote a wonderful book on the Ten Commandments called His Loving Law, Our Lasting Legacy, describes his name as his person, character, and reputation revealed. All of us here have a name that someone has given to us, right? And we don't choose that our own name. I'm very thankful that my kids didn't choose their own name because Isaiah, his name would probably be either Batman or Optimus Prime. <laughs> but the significance is that no one gave the Lord his name. He has decided what his name is. He is deciding what we will relate to regarding his character and his personhood. Philip Ryken again is helpful. He says this, God's true name is chosen and revealed by himself. We do not tell God who he is. He tells us his name. Yahweh, I am who I am. It speaks of his self-existence, his self-sufficiency and supreme sovereignty. Church, when you're speaking the name of the Lord, you're representing the character of the Lord and his character is good. How do we know this? Well, he's revealed himself to us in his word. If you look through the Psalms, you will see much of what the Lord's name evokes and reveals. When we look at what his name is linked with, we get to stand in awe of its greatness. Psalm 100, give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. His name is faithful, good, and brings steadfast love. Psalm 109, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good, deliver me. His name is merciful and delivers sinners. Psalm 99, let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy, holy is he. His name is holy. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. His name brings salvation. Anything in this life separated from the name of the Lord is a disappointment. When God exits the picture, glory exits the picture. Grace exits the picture. Grandeur exits the picture. Goodness exits the picture. That which is associated with the name of the Lord is associated with goodness and power and justice and peace and healing and sufficiency and omnipotence and blessing and fear and trembling and glory. And for the sake of his great name, he rescues sinners and forgives. Psalm 79, help us, O God of our salvation, 
for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. In the kindness of God, he chooses to exalt his name and have it associated with forgiving sinners like me and sinners like you. How does he choose to exalt his great name and to be associated with? What does he want it to be associated with? Saving sinners. But when we live with a light, small, and insignificant association with the great name of the Lord, God does not take that lightly. We will not be guiltless. Leviticus 24. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name shall be put to death. But why? Why is the Lord so serious about this? Because his name is perfect. And it is the only name to be treated in that manner. And also, church, when we revere and relate to the name of the Lord that way, it is for our good. He's given us these commandments not to be uh, uh, cautiously obeyed, but to be joyfully obeyed because they are for our flourishing. We will flourish when we do not take his name lightly. Listen, when we take the Lord's name in vain, life is a bit more cynical. But when we are revering and honoring the name of the Lord with our lips and our minds and our actions, we praise him regularly throughout the day. And that results in gratitude. When we don't do that, we grumble and we complain. Life is bleak. We'll be forgetful of the beautiful sovereignty of our great God, which means we'll be quick to say that there is no hope. When you take the name of the Lord in vain, you will be prone to discouragement. When the Lord's name is merely a vain, flippant association with someone or something out there, there is no saving power in his name. The hope here is that God has warned us. His law is protecting us from ourselves. The Lord is protecting his name. And his name is good and perfect and foundational and faithful and trustworthy and glorious and powerful. And his name is the only name that is all of those things at the same time. That's what's in a name. Question number two. And y'all, when I'm shouting about the name of the Lord, feel free to join me in celebrating. We can worship as we listen, especially when we are exalting the name of the Lord. Question number two. How do we take his name in vain? Well, when we sin. Sin comes when we desire or exalt something above God and go for it. And when his name is unimportant, we will go for the sin. Philip Ryken, again, is helpful, and he expands our category for taking the Lord's name in vain when he says this. Since we are Christians, we bear the very name of Christ. It was by calling upon his name that we were saved in the first place. We received his name upon entering the church when we were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now... The very name of Christ is associated with everything we do. Our reputation is a reflection on his reputation. So we should always make it our aim to honor him. And when we don't do that, we violate the third commandment. So how, how do we take his name? Well, one, we can take his name in vain with our words. 
or with our lack of words, when we leave God out of the equation regarding our gratitude, when we uh, celebrate or give credit to something else other than the name of the Lord, which is a grace from us, when we're doing that and ignore gratitude to God, we are taking his name in vain. God's name can be despised. His name can be profaned and defiled. When we use phrases with his name in it to emphasize a point or to land the punchline of a joke or when we are in disgust or in shock, his great name is defiled. And God requires us to praise his name every day. Anything less than that is less than the glory that is due his name. There shouldn't be a day that passes without moments of acknowledgement admiration, and surrender to the name of the Lord. This also means we cannot speak in a way that tarnishes his name in any situation. So if there is a situation that I speak of that's overwhelming to me, and in my words I'm acting like the situation is bigger or more powerful than my Savior, I've taken his name in vain. Also, If Christians are blessed by the name of the Lord upon them, we are taking his name in vain when we slander or treat other Christians with disregard. Listen, look, I can't be talking crazy about those made in the image of God. If his name is appropriately magnified and worshipped, then I got no business speaking harsh or cruel or slanderous towards anyone made in his image. Gossip. And slander have no place among those who proclaim the name of Christ. When you're not concerned with the name of the Lord being hallowed, you tear down others to ensure that your name is hallowed. Rather than guarding any vanity being associated with the name of the Lord, you guard and protect any vanity being associated with your own name. We also take his name in vain when we use it to press forward our own agenda by dressing it up in spiritual language. Now look, we are continuationists. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that the Spirit does lead us into certain ways. But when we start throwing around phrases like, God told me to tell you. We, listen, we've got to be careful. The Lord told me to tell you, or it is God's will that you, we must pause and be careful. The Lord's name is not to be trifled with. We make light of his name when we add it to lend force or persuasion to our language. We take his name in vain with our actions. How we spend our time. We're pretty aware when our time and money and priorities are out of whack. whack. So check up on your screen time. Turn off that thing that cancels the screen time report that comes each week. Y'all better turn that back on. (laughs) Check items on your budget list. Track where your money is going. Are your first fruits going to the efforts of exalting the name of the Lord or increasing your comfort or your own status or your own name? Consider what are the first things to be pushed aside to be dealt with for another day when you're just a little bit too busy. What's the first thing to go? Are they self-serving things or are they the God-exalting things? When you give in to lust, 
Here's what's happening. Rather than finding satisfaction in God and God alone, the name that is the perfect friend of sinners and who knows me best and has set up sexual boundaries for my flourishing, what you're saying is I'm going to give into my carnal desires and toss the good name of the Lord aside just for a moment of some fleeting pleasures. All that we do ought to line up with an appropriate association with the great name of the Lord. We also take his name in vain with our thoughts and our attitudes. Uh Uh-oh. Every grumble, every moan, every complaint against the circumstance or situation is bucking against the good and perfect sovereignty of the Lord. Now hear me, crying out to the Lord is different because that's still recognizing his power and that he is the source of all things. But complaining about it is emptying his name of its power. It's emptying his name of honor and respect and it's taking his name in vain. We take his name in vain when we worship him with our lips and not with our hearts. Praising his name loudly on a Sunday morning and living life in a way that is whatever is good in our own eyes throughout the rest of the week. In our anger, rather than enjoy the fact that whatever God ordains is right and good, I'm going to rage because my ideas might be better than God's. That treats the Lord's name with vanity. Are you feeling anxious and exhausted? The question you have to ask yourself is, in my anxieties and in my exhaustion, do I think that I can just work harder And maybe my anxieties will go away. If I just check more things off my to-do list, then my anxiety will go away and I can finally rest. Or are you entrusting all things to the name that judges justly? Do you believe that you can rest because God is at work? Church, the Lord is much bigger than how we paint him in the midst of our suffering. In your suffering, the name of the Lord doesn't change. It does not lose its validity. It does not lose its power. Any and all of your hardships must bow their knee to the name that is above all names. Though your situation is hard, we can look to the promises associated with his name and find comfort. Why? Because he is your provider. The Lord will sustain you. He is your comforter. It's what his name demands. It's what his name upholds. And he is not out here delegating your care. We just finished a series on 1 Peter. And what did it say? His name is the God of all grace. He's called you into his eternal glory in Christ. And he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Question number three, how do we exalt his great name? Well, (laughs) we praise him. (laughs) We praise him with gratitude and thanksgiving. We look at all of life and filter it through. How is the Lord involved in this? What could he be doing in my life? How is he ensuring that all things are working together for the good of me because I trust in the name of the God? We shout out the glories of his name. We read and pray and commune with God throughout the day. (laughs) Listen, don't just tap into the word and prayer early in the morning and trust that that's going to keep you revering his name throughout the day. Because, look, we've all had sweet mornings where we're just, it's just me and Jesus and it's awesome and it's great. And then, like, 
10 seconds later, you're wilding out, yelling at your kids, yelling at your roommate, rushing out the door, right? We are not good enough or smart enough or remembering the name of the Lord enough that that is going to keep us throughout the day. And not only that, we are fighting for our name to be revered. We have to kill that inside of us day after day, moment by moment. And not only are you doing that, but everyone else is fighting for their own names to be revered as well. Celebrities, politicians, musicians, athletes, bosses, co-workers, you, me, your friends, all of us want deep down inside for our names not to be taken lightly. We don't want vanity associated with us. And we fight that urge and fight that desire by praising the name of our God, by refusing to flippantly associate with his name with each passing hour of the day. So, that doesn't mean ignore the stuff in the morning. When you wake up, first thing, do something that rearranges your thoughts and your priorities. Start off each day by actively obeying this command. A simple prayer I pray every day is, you are God and I am not. This day belongs to you. Silence your anxieties and your to-do list by screaming out the glories to the name of our sovereign Lord, who in his kindness allowed you to wake up yet another day with sweet mercies for that day reserved just for you. We believe in his name. And we pass on the goodness of his name to the next generation. I want my kids to scream the glories of his name. I want my children to know that when daddy's not around and in their hardest moments, the Lord can be trusted. And we are all a part of that. Whether you're single or you're married. Listen, single people, my kids look up to you guys. Teenagers, they see how you act and they replicate that. What are we passing on to the next generation with the way that we live our lives? We, we have the pleasure of hosting a senior night at my house, which is when the seniors in high school come and uh, we go through membership material with them. And the last couple of senior nights, Ryle Mellinger would stay afterwards and just ask some probing questions about the word of God and these different kind of things. And suddenly, after a couple months of that, I noticed Isaiah coming to me and just asking specific questions. I'm just like, where does this curiosity come from? Well, he's seeing it modeled in teenagers that they ought to be inquisitive and leaning in to the good things of the Lord, to mine the word of God for explicit details and specifics of who our God is. It matters. God wants us to respond by denouncing the glory of any other name but God's and to trust, entrust our lives to the faithful name of the Lord. Worship. All of life is given to God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Eating food to the glory of his name, amen. Working to the glory of his name. Resting to the glory of his name. Being patient with your roommate to the glory of his name. Tending your garden to the glory of his name. Exercising to the glory of his name. Listen, his name is glory enough, glorious enough to require and elicit praise in each and every and all of these situations. The name of our God is beautiful and majestic, and it is holy. And people ought to know that we are Christians before they even hear us utter a single word. 
And then <laughs> our words ought to confirm their suspicions that we are those who exalt the name of the Lord. Jenny Ortland in that book masterfully lists out how to exalt and remember his name through these lists. And I've got all the scripture references there just because all of the scripture screams out the glories of his name. She says, God's name can be loved, praised, walked in, esteemed, waited on, given thanks to, feared, called upon, and blessed. Because he is the God who sees. He is Elohim, the omnipotent creator. He is El Shaddai, the sovereign Lord, or God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. He is El Elohe Israel, the God of Israel. He is Lord Yahweh, Jehovah, God's personal name, which expresses the essence of God's character. He is the self-existent, self-sufficient sovereign who depends on no one. He is Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals, he is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner, our security in the presence of our enemies. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. He is worthy to be praised. We need to be consciously treasuring and exalting the name of our God. The deeper we know the name of the Lord, the quicker and more intensely reasons for shouting his praise come to mind. And finally, what do we do? How do we exalt the name of our God, of our Lord who is worthy of all praise? We look at the life of Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus, we see that everything he did was done in obedience to the Father. The anger that our Christ expressed at the hypocrites who were blaspheming the name of the Lord with their actions. He called them a brood of vipers when he went into the temple and began flipping tables because they were taking lightly worship of the Lord in his temple. The laying down of his will in perfect obedience to the Father. The tears he shed for you and me in Gethsemane. The reaching out to the outcast and knowing that the name of the Lord, his name is to be called upon to be saved. We look at his life and we listen to Jesus and how he instructed us to pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To desire fame and glory of his name to be spread, to hold it in reverence and to be in awe of it, to see it as sacred and separate and above all. And we joyfully shout out praises to his name for all that he has done for us, all that he is for us, and all that he will do for us. The hallowed and holy name of our Lord matters. His name is everything. His name demands authority and it demands power and holiness and reverence. And we must give his name what it calls for. And our Savior did this perfectly. We don't naturally love authority. When we come to the law, we do our best to water it down to make it more feasible for us to obey. Exposing the Pharisee and all of us. But when Jesus comes to the law, he essentially increases the intensity of every command, showing us our desperate need for a savior. And Jesus fulfilled every aspect of this law perfectly. 
Exodus 20, 24 shows us that there is blessing where God's name is being revealed because he is there. It says, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. Christ came to us to reveal this great and saving name to us in obedience to the third commandment. Now, band, I need you all to start making your way up here because as I'm closing, right when I'm down on maybe the fifth step, I want to start shouting praises to his name. So come on up here, please. Psalm 124 says this, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. John 1, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights. This is our right because of his name to become children of God. John 20, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. Where? In his name. Romans 10, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you are here and you have not called upon his name to be saved, open invitation right now. He is still in the business of saving sinners. And how did he do this? Well, we see it in Philippians 2. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm not even done because he's coming back. Revelation tells us, then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is our Jesus, our God, whose name shall not be taken in vain, but shall be exalted. And church, I am not done. So what do we do? We sing to the Lord and bless his name. We tell of his salvation from day to day. We declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. I'm not done. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen.